Rick Madison, Rick and Friends, and uh, we have an, a guest that I've known for years. We've spent some time on hockey rinks uh, in the odd establishment uh, imbibing, and uh, a really good person, really good friend. Uh, I want to welcome Kurt Jory of uh, Thickest Thieves, uh, Denim on the Diamond, Alti Tunes, Island Time. He's, uh, he's one of two people that actually uh, brings these wonderful events, so thanks uh, for coming on the big show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Rick. I think we should rename this episode Rick and Best Friends. You don't want besties. <laughs> you, me. I just love it. Um, listen, let's uh before we get into all the wonderful musical stuff and and uh and why on earth you decided to start this uh wonderful company in in COVID times, um I wanna go back to an incident in hockey. Because mm-hmm. you mentioned it on a Facebook post, and I found it, you know, it, it really is how our lives evolve and change, and they have so much texture. Yours has probably more texture than most. Mm-hmm. But take me to that moment when you were literally dying on a sheet of ice. Yeah, um, I was 20 years old. It was my first year of university hockey really excited to, you know, be the starting goalie, having a great start of the year. And yeah, last game before Christmas, a pretty innocent play. Honestly, you've you've probably seen beer league guys hit me harder than this particular incident. And yeah, the next thing I knew, there was blood squirting out of my neck um, from the crease as far as the, the bottom of the circles. It was... <sighs> It was like you see, and, and, and we laugh now, we watch movies. Well, every horror movie or thriller movie, someone gets the throat slash, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of desensitized to it now at that point, but that really is what happened. Um, so I was there, you know, losing blood quickly and, you know, laid down on the ice. I had a teammate come over and kind of grab my hand and start praying, and my teammates were with me, and I just said, it was that Hollywood I'm dying moment. And I just said, you know, tell my family I love them and make sure they're okay. And this is it. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, ha- I don't know how to describe it. I had an out-of-body experience where I saw everything from the ceiling of the arena looking down. I could see myself, could see all the seats. And it was, you know, it was a very spiritual you know, moment for me. And I was lucky enough to, to come back and had some great medical support on the ice. So yeah, that's, uh, that's an experience that'll, that'll change your perspective. That's for sure. It, it probably changes a whole bunch of things. Like you will never be the, the same kind of person you were prior to that, because obviously it brought you closer to a, a place. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, I didn't know about the out of body experience. That's yeah. Very, I mean, uh, I've had uh, uh, intuitive mediums on the show, yeah, and uh, she talks about the you know the spirit world, obviously. So wow, and, yeah, and and now that you're like you've strapped on the pads now, yeah. does that ever still go through no. your mind? At no, all? not really. I mean, there are still times on the ice, you know, when I'm down trying to grab a puck or whatever, where yeah, you notice someone's kind of close to you in that way. But I mean, you could getting struck by lightning twice uh, maybe but I don't know I love hockey too much and, and being out with the guys where I'm gonna keep going so um, you uh, you also played so f- it was university hockey but mm-hmm. didn't you play with the uh, the silver tips 
Yeah, so I started in Everett and um, as a 16-year-old and then was back to Brandon, so I'm from Manitoba, and then I ended up playing in the WHL, so for the Wheat Kings uh, and then for the Moose Jaw Warriors. Okay. Yeah, so use kind of my WHL education money to, to go to university and have some tuition paid. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the person who cut you, did you ever yeah. stay in touch? Uh, not after the incident. He came to the hospital, you know, when I was a little more stable. And wow, like, funny enough, I felt bad for him. I was the one laying in the hospital bed, you know, within an inch of my life and the look on his face. And you could only imagine how bad someone feels. Obviously, it wasn't intentional, but Mm -hmm. to be the one and you know, as we got chatting and joking a little bit, well, of course he got his skate sharpened right before the game. And just these little things that piece together that make you think. Yeah. Um, and is there any, like sometimes when an incident like that happens, we feel like all kids should wear neck guards that, that aren't cool. Is that the way you feel or do you think that would have helped you? You know what? Anytime you step on the ice, even if you're in Knight's armor, there's a risk of getting hurt. And that's, that's the weight we bear as athletes. Um, I didn't have the proper neck guard on, so to speak. It wasn't a regulation. I had the plastic piece that's more for pucks getting deflected. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always going to be a spot in your neck that's open because you need the range of motion to move. You right. can't be chin to collarbone uh, in equipment. So uh, hard to say whether it would have helped or not, but you know, obviously, if you can take more precautions than less and wear a neck guard, then absolutely. Why wouldn't you? So uh, in warm-ups, I definitely like shooting for your head. Yes. Like, I mean, it just sends a message. Like, absolutely. You know, I yeah. I know where to shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get to be a certain age, too. And we actually prefer that because I don't have to go down. So I'll, I'll, I'll take it around my head if I, it means I don't have to go on, on my knees anymore. So. And I'm just going to geek out here a little bit, but, uh, you know, you've, you've played with, uh, some ex NHLers, maybe some current ones. Yeah. Is there, is there someone who might be, uh, flies under the radar a bit, but you've, you've always resp- like great shot seems to skate very well and kind of a standout that you've played with or against or whatever. Well, I'm kind of aging myself, but most of the players are nearing their, the end of their careers now in the NHL. As you know, it can be a pretty short time span. You really only get to 40 if you're very, very lucky, right? I think yeah, Chris Chelios Yam- plays Yammer Jagger. 40. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Ryan Getzlaffs of the world played against, you know, Carey Price, you know, look across the ice. And even then, right, we're only 18, but you just know that this guy has this clout and winning the world juniors around him. So it's, yeah, it was pretty cool seeing that and, my first summer when I moved to Kelowna, I was still training to uh, to play pro hockey. And my first ice time when I was training, well, I was the third goalie and the other goalies were Carey Price and James Reimer. <laughs> so, right, like we have such a, a great uh, uh, community of hockey players here in the summer because who wouldn't want to be in Kelowna in the summer? Yeah. Uh, so that made it pretty cool. So you get to know the Shea Webers of the world and, and uh, these guys that are local. So it was pretty cool. Now you you took that uh, that WHL experience. You used it for university. Yeah. And and what did you end up with? With degree? uh, my degrees in it's actually an international business. Which if you ask me what that was, I couldn't tell you. But in my opinion, most businesses cross a imaginary line at some point. So, mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, I finished with that. But as you know, a business degree, you get marketing, you get finance, you get accounting. So it's a pretty good, uh, and actually was probably what I would take again, uh, seeing where I am today, because being a business owner, you, you do have to have your finger on the pulse in a lot of those different areas. So let's, um, I want to talk about a story that, uh, I've mentioned before, but I, I love telling it because it, it really, really brings into focus the tenacity that is the company, which puts on these great events. I, I saw you at urban fair and, uh, and you were, you know, you were perched and, and, uh, I, you know, I, whenever I see you, I always love to, to share a laugh with you. And I came over and you talked about the fact that, yeah, out of all the events we've currently created, most have canceled due to this worldwide pandemic. And, uh, <laughs> so that that's a really, I mean, I, I saw it, which is you're very optimistic, you're a very hopeful person. And, and I can just see it. It was just yet another blow for all this work all this energy and all these people that have, you know, we're, we're trying to put this event forward. And mm-hmm. I just, you were waiting for a call from the, you know, from the province to say, yeah, you can go or, or it'll be a hybrid event or whatever it was. And, and you were just like, I, and, and you kind of just, I, I guess at some point you just go, this is my lot and I'm just going to yeah. keep going. But you never, when I, what I was very impressed by that particular moment was just the resolve. Mm-hmm. Like it just seemed like, okay, well, we'll pick ourselves up and we'll just keep doing this. Yeah, well, and quite honestly, I think that comes from life experience and something that was life and death for me, right? You kind of hit that rock bottom and you get a feel for what it is and what it isn't. And canceling an event is very different from almost dying on a sheet of ice. So things get put in perspective pretty quickly. Uh, You learn, you know, through my year and a half of rehab after that injury is like, there are things you can control. There are things you can't control and you will drive yourself crazy worrying about the things you can't control. So just, it's not your weight to bear, uh, move on. And honestly, if, if, you know, we weren't in a good mood every day because something happened to us, our lives would be miserable. Life's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And it's not people dying on sheets of ice, everyday parents, pe- business owners, people in our community, like, you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and surround yourself with great people. And so, you know, I, I actually remember that chat as well. And I enjoyed it because we've always seen eye to eye and we can always laugh even when things, you know, are hard and having a business partner like Mitch, um, you know, we really, our company is called Thick as Thieves because we really are Thick as Thieves. We're best buddies. We can, you know, we ebb and flow if he's, uh, you know, swearing off the world, I'm, I'm having the best day and I'll bring him up and vice versa. So I think, you know, when you have a great network of people and you have seen some hardships in your life, uh, things don't seem so scary all the time. It's interesting that perspective, like it, it, you know, I wouldn't recommend to people that they go get, uh, have an incident just to prove uh, perspective, but Mm -hmm. it does seem like there's various people that you meet in life and, uh, there's a reason why I have a, a buddy I travel with and in travel, as you know, there's interruptions, delays, like it's just a host of issues. Yeah. Really? But, West, WestJet doesn't get you from point A to point B on time. I know. I know. <laughs> and you want your passport when? Uh, Nexus? Don't even think about it. But 
it's interesting where we often come up against uh, a wrinkle in the plan. Mm -hmm. And I look over at him and he runs a bunch of restaurants and bars in, in Alberta. And, and we both kind of shrug our shoulders and laugh and go, ah, oh, that's another part of the chapter. And other people we see in an airport or anywhere else where they're just losing their mind that any problem. <laughs> and, and it's funny how I do think the more successful in business are the ones that go, okay, we can't go through this passage, but let's go around it, underneath mm -hmm. it, over top of it, or find someone who does know, and they just figure it out. Yeah. And I, I think that's kind of what business is, is just mm -hmm. trying to figure out what is the best path forward? Yeah. And it, it, like you said, it takes, you have to take a step back and take a 10,000 foot view of it because when we're in these things and it's day to day and we're on our screen, you know, it can all seem very overwhelming, but taking a step back, you know, getting, getting out of the city sometimes is good. Getting out of your kind of your bubble, um, can really provide some clarity. And, you know, when we started our company, I think the biggest thing for us and with my experience is like just reshaping what risk is, you know, is risk losing money or is risk not having the house you think you want or is risk being on your deathbed and having regrets and saying, man, I wish we would have went. For, what if what if we would have went for it? Right. Mm -hmm. So I think having some perspective of what the end felt like for me, like what dying truly felt like. I, I people laugh, but like we are on a floating rock rotating in a like none of this matters exactly it can feel like it matters every little thing matters so much but at the end of the day it's about people and it's about you know helping others i truly believe that and so that's you know kind of how our event came to be i was uh 18 reading the Tabor times Tabor alberta and uh there was a they had these little little snippets of information you know before google and iphones and everything else and it was uh there is 20,000 pieces in, uh, in, our, in immediate space that can fundamentally take out Earth. Like, that's what I read. Mm. And a lot of people would read that and, you know, not sleep that night. But I, I went to bed feeling better than I ever had because I thought, then why don't we just, <laughs> just go full tilt, man? Right. Like, like let's pin it now. And it, and it, it really, it was funny because, you know, late teens, early twenties, when you're talking to girls and everything else, I was like, I don't care. Like I'll ask anyone, <laughs> the prettiest one in the room. Cause it really 20,000 objects in space can take out earth. Yeah. And I don't want to be the guy sitting at home going, I wish I would have, you know, absolutely. Well, it come, comes back to who you are as a person too, right? You have to have that, I would call it a quiet confidence, where it's mm -hmm. not arrogance, but you're comfortable with who you are. You're, you know what makes you happy. You're not chasing things because other people have them. Mm -hmm. I think it's really understanding what makes you tick as a person. Um, and for me, you know, it's it's working with people and building community and doing, you know, these types of events whether that leads to a bigger house one day, I don't know. You, I picture living in a bigger house. I don't, I wouldn't be that much happier. Initially you mm -hmm. would, but you know, give me a Ferrari as well. Cool. And then for me personally, the luster's worn off. So yeah, I think when you understand yourself and what your truly your goals are, it can help you put things in perspective a lot. So putting those things in perspective, has there been, 
like uh, listeners, thank you for listening. Um, give them a, just a quick snapshot of, and that, I only is know. Is that a hockey hockey pun? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe a little bit. We we are going to geek out on hockey this whole thing, but uh, one of the things is give them a quick snapshot of of a moment in in organizing an event mm-hmm. because when I mentioned about travel, it's kind of like putting on a massive event where okay, there's no power going to any of the speakers and we're going to go in about 36 minutes for the first start. Like, give us an idea of, of one of those, you know, maybe behind the scenes moments that anybody else would have cratered, but you guys went, oh, okay, well then let's get blank. So yeah. give us give us something like that. Well, I think one of the scariest ones was, so I guess canceling an event because of pandemic, it's not at the everyone's not at the event and all of a sudden, like you said, the power shuts off and what now? Like mm-hmm. that's, that is kind of a worst case scenario. Pandemic is, you know, ahead of time, you can cancel. We made the decision to refund every ticket holder. Um, you know, even, and even at the time that was contrary to what the ticket masters and the big dogs of the world are doing. They held people's money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, whether it's 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, I can't look somebody in the eye you know, in my own community, knowing I'm holding on to their money, like that really was a hard time for everybody. And no one knew if their next paycheck was coming. So that fifty hundred dollars it meant a lot. So as a business, it it hurt us a lot, but we knew it was the right thing. And over time, we would earn people's trust that, you know, if you buy a ticket with us and the show doesn't happen, you're going to get your money back. Uh, so that was a big deal. But I think it was the second denim. And lo and behold, the the weather just changes fast. So three days prior, I looked at the radar and, and it didn't look great. Um, and then depending which app you're using, Google or Apple kind of thing, uh, morning of, I remember waking up, it was around 6 a.m. Uh, we'd been out been out with the band the night before, you know, and, and just kind of getting to know each other, relationship building. And, and there it was again, lightning storm on the radar coming for us. So I just remember putting my clothes on and being like, well, this is this is going to be an interesting day, right? Because everything's there. It's set up. The band's in town. You're paying your expenses no matter what. Now you're at the mercy of if lightning's at the event, you know, it can be unsafe for people and the band on stage. So then what? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it was it was pretty tense uh, watching it come towards us. And we obviously have our lightning strike apps. You're seeing where these bolts are hitting. And uh, for whatever reason, King Stadium, I mean, the Andres guys, they play, they've play. they played baseball there for 40, 50 years, right? And for some reason, the weather phenomenon is, you know, when it comes up the lake, it either shifts towards the mission and follows the mountains, or it follows the lake right along. So you're mm-hmm. kind of in this pocket of the weather splits, mm-hmm. and sure enough, it split that day. So they were, they were getting downpours and lightnings in West Kelowna. And up in the mission, the same thing. And we were in the middle and, and we did pull a band off for a little bit and just had a DJ play and, and alerted the crowd and everything. But yeah, we got, we got pretty lucky with that one. And what can you do? You're just at the mercy. (laughs) Well, that's, yeah. And you know, you guys were part of the Red Sea there, man. You just parted it. But I want to go back to the, the ticket refund, because I think this speaks to the character, which is. A lot of you're right. A lot of big companies go, well, we're going to hold on to the money because yeah. we hold the money. Yeah. And that's where you want to be. Yeah. And you guys decided, okay, we don't have a pot to, 
urinate in. But you know, we're we're gonna still do this because, and again, I I think it's those fundamental. There's different stories across history of of companies that go like uh, Tylenol. I just read about that, where you know that somebody placed these cyanide tablets inside mm. the Tylenol, and mm-hmm. and so Tylenol said, okay, we're pulling everything, yeah. even though they were told you don't have to, and they said no. Safety is our paramount concern. We will make everybody whole, but we're going to figure this out. We're going to figure out a best way forward. So as a result of that, their stock really jumped because mm-hmm. people felt, oh, there's actual real leadership here. Yeah. And and willing to, to fall on the sword mm-hmm. to, to, to fight another day. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, um, you know, if, if you're going to be operating in a town for a long time. Yeah. You probably just thought, okay, fundamentally, this is the horizon. Yeah. We need to be here for a long time, so reputation is important. Yeah. And this is what I would want someone to do for me. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And I think when you're doing something for the right reasons and you're genuine about it and you do have, you know, some leadership and character behind it, I mean, it it was one it was a one night decision. Mitch and I, you know, crunched the numbers and looked at each other and said, There there really is no other path. We have to give everyone's money back and that's it. So had we been had we started this business because we thought it was a cash cow moneymaker and that was our those are our priorities and yeah, maybe we would have held it. And maybe it would have been okay, right? Ticketmaster mm-hmm. did it. People are still buying from Ticketmaster more so because they have to, but to us, like you said, reputation and community and that's why we're putting on these events. It's much more important to us. So it was an easy decision. Uh, I want to bring up a conversation I had with uh, a good friend, uh, Casey Clark, about doing shows and promoting shows and everything else after this. But um, we're going to be back in a sec with uh, with more Kurt Jory. Uh, let's talk about some sponsors. We have uh, D6 Print Studio. What does the D stand for? Damn good, I'm sure. Um, D6 has lord large format printers. They can print up anything. Say if you have a concert, what have you, an event. <laughs> D6 Print Studios is really good. Uh, Pereira, they sell engagement rings from Takori, handcrafted in California. Beautiful rings. Say yes to the ring. Say yes to her. Well, hopefully she says yes. That would be good. And then we also have Kelowna Now News all the time, whenever you want, KelownaNow.com. Back in a bit with uh, with more Kurt. Okay, we're back with uh, with more Kurt. And, and I want to talk about that conversation I had with uh, Casey Clark. And, and him and I have been friends for the years, and you know him as well. Yeah. And we talked, we always, you know, we we have a couple of pops and then we, we start talking about, man, it'd be great to, to bring some people down and, and you know, have a stage and, and all the stuff that you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. We've talked, many people I'm sure have talked about this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Casey had uh, an experience way back in the day in, I want to say Pinoca or something like that, where they put on a show mm-hmm. and... He was he was a partner in the event, but it just didn't go well. I, I don't remember the all the the cause and effect and everything else, but something just didn't fly, mm-hmm. and uh, and as a result of that, he's he was a bit gun shy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he still is, but you know that was a conversation we had. And you guys have managed to to really pull off an impossible feat, which is, I think, fundamentally even to break even on yeah. on an event is is a major undertaking, like. Mm-hmm. You have artist cost, you have ticket costs, you have like all the stuff surrounding. Because I, I think you have to look after the band while they're here. Correct. Yep. 
and all that rider stuff. And, and anyway, the costs keep going up and up and up. And you guys go, yeah, it sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> so I'm curious to find out, um, you've probably learned a lot. What, what have you learned getting into this space? Because, you know, you're smart guys. But what is kind of, now that you're into it a little bit, have you learned a lot, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's funny you say the uh, hosting the band and the hospitality stuff while you're here. That was a big learning curve for us. Uh, I think, you know, Mitch and I don't have a musical background whatsoever. We both played hockey. Um, so the band coming in, they're staying at the Delta, a couple of the bands, and King Stadium is two blocks away. Well, we just assumed they'd come over, like, walk over. <laughs> Like, why wouldn't you walk over? It's gorgeous outside, right? Well, no, we need ground transportation and their green room, which I learned what that term was too. So their, their fancy dressing room, well, it needs to have, you know, it needs to have Diet Coke and it needs to have M&Ms, not Skittles, right? And so all these things, you go down the line and it's funny now until someone equated us, equated it to a dressing room. It's like, oh, well, like in your dressing room, you got to have a... And then it, and then the light went off. It's like, oh, it's like their hockey dressing room, right? <laughs> they need yeah. all their things. <laughs> yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's expensive, but we, we take a lot of pride in that because we're not only bringing them to this event, we're showing off Kelowna. Sure. Right. And so all these experiences now that, that we do pay extra for artists to get on a boat and get up to the wineries and play around a golf and really experience Kelowna while they're here because, you know, a lot of the time if they're on tour, it's I come out of the, the tour bus, I do my thing at, at Prospera or wherever you are in the world, back on the bus and you're out. You, you don't get a sense for what that place is. So it's been cool. You know, we always encourage the artists to stay a couple extra days either before or after, bring a spouse, bring their parents, whatever, um, to, to show off Kelowna. And, and honestly, it's, it has paid off. Uh, in the longer run in reputation because they talk to other artists and they talk to their agency and they talk to their management. And if they have a great time in Kelowna, we know our, our chances of getting that next artist we're after uh, increase twofold. So uh, back to the original question of why it works. Um, well, A, it all comes down to the numbers. Like for me, I'm kind of a numbers guy. That's my background is finance. Um, so when you're building out a budget, I mean, if you're break-even, quote-unquote, on a project is to attract full capacity, well, you better rethink that because <laughs> that's great and that's, you know, you you do need to be op optimistic, but cautiously optimistic. Mm -hmm. If you hit that, it's great, but that can't make your business break-even. Um, so I think coming into it, you know, starting with the end in mind of where do we need to be financially and how do we make this work, uh, it also makes it more fun, too. Uh, being being stressed up until the day of when you finally hit your ticket number, well, that doesn't work for us either, right? right. You got to have some fun along the way. So, uh, and then Mitch's marketing background has been, you know, extremely instrumental in building our business and the social channels and the following mm -hmm. and all the community. I mean, that's that's the day and age we live in. Um, so that's really helped people get to know about the events, right? And I think. You know, we started off thinking that we were a concert um, and we originally started as country, but we've really, again, taken a step back and said, well, there's only so many country artists. So in year three, four, five, 
the agents know that we need a country artist. Well, the price just went up, mm, right? Right. When you can expand outside of just country, well, you've opened yourself up to 50% more artists. And quite frankly, you know, we both grew up in Manitoba, so you can joke about country. I know you always joke about country, but, you know, it's just kind of our background. Um, and there are people here that love it. But even if you love country, it doesn't mean you don't love rock and alternative and indie and hip hop and all these other things. So trying to build a, a more well-rounded event. And it's not built around the artist. It's built about built around the experience. It's about, mm-hmm. it's the end of summer. You know, life gets busy, especially in COVID. Nobody saw anybody forever, right? Um, I know parents, you know, that travel go away in the summer. They've got kids stuff. It's an opportunity to reconnect with your friends, family, people in the community. Um, the music is the background noise, right? So once the, the light went off with that, you know, it's not about getting that next artist that costs $500,000 and we're going to charge you 300 to come to the event. We're trying to go after artists that fit in our scope so that we can keep ticket prices fair, make it accessible for people in our community to come out and and just support local businesses and see their buddies. It's interesting you say that because when I went to the Denim, uh, I think it was the last one, mm-hmm. I saw a bunch of people I haven't seen for a while. And and you're right, the, the music was a background. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, you turn your attention to the stage every now and then. But for the most part, it was a lot of visiting and socializing, which yeah. I loved. And the fact that you can plop down a you know a chair next to someone you haven't seen in a while was really part of that that experience. And and I'm always amazed at how big uh, King Stadium is. Yeah, yeah, it's gorgeous. Like it's... what? What? How did that come into being? Because I mean, you probably looked at a bunch of venues and went, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was through our relationship with the Blondley family. So, like I said, they've been playing baseball there for 50 years, and until I had gone to some of their their fast pitch games, I didn't know that stadium existed, right? Because it's kind of you know. The area is improving now, but it's in an in industrial zone, mm-hmm. um, which, again, has seen some great improvements over the years. But even look back six years ago when we started it, it was it was on the wrong side of town. And mm-hmm. but as soon as you get through those gates, it's this gorgeous stadium. So I think we felt a great sense of pride of, of bringing people there and, and showing that off. And quite frankly, City Park is absolutely beautiful, too. But um, there's just something quaint uh, and something more of a backyard barbecue feel, you know, mm-hmm. being at a baseball diamond, you know, having a hot dog, seeing your friends than, uh, than being in city park. So really it was, it was through Kyle Blondley and the Blondley family that we, we stumbled upon King stadium. And then, you know, and then we had to come up with a name, right? It's like, well, what are we? So we listened to just tons of music and like, it's gotta be in the lyrics, right? It's something in the lyrics. And then the light went off. It's like, it's denim. It's denim. It is. It's black denim, it's blue denim, it's country, it's rock, it's, mm. you know, Leonard Skinner, it's Tim McGraw, it's Miley Cyrus. Like, denim is the fabric that stitches generations together and music genres and cultures. And so I know it came off as more country, but denim is really just meant to be, you know, something that everyone feels included. And and I want to, that's a great jumping off point for uh, the Altitunes because I was... Uh, I I actually committed to going to a Rockets game, uh, and anyway, 
long story short, I wanted to go pick up my wife and her friends who were going to the event at Big White. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll, after the game, I'll, I'll zip up and grab you. And uh, so I was in the parking lot and I was, you know, seeing really um, these people just still with big smiles on their faces and everything else. But I don't think people understood that they were 5,500 feet up in the air because <laughs> there was a lot of um, lesser clothed people that I I just thought, you know, my parenting comes out. I'm like, what are you? Yes. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> I was like, what were you thinking? Yeah. So you could have sold winter jackets uh, yeah. out of the booth up there. For well, like... people see the sun and they get excited and they forget that it. It does go down at some point, and you are at a ski hill, mm-hmm. and there's snow on the ground, and there's wind, and yeah, and people got a, ahead of themselves. Despite our messaging of, you know, the the dad and me came out too of wear double socks and make sure you have mitts and spikes aren't a bad idea on the bottom, and you know, <laughs> but instead high heeled shoes, shorts. <laughs> I was like, I I admire it though because yeah. you know sometimes you just gotta look good. It's true. And if you look cold and good, I, th- I think still looking good is, is the key. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> so, uh, but, but putting to- that together, and, and I had Michael J on the show, and he was mm-hmm. talking about the fact that, you know, it was really the biggest event that Big White had ever seen. Yeah. And as a result of that, they were really excited by the way it, it came off. But mm-hmm. is, there, is there other dream uh, venues for you guys that you're thinking about and going, man, we'd love to do it blank like city park on the bluff like yep. i mean those are those are two areas that have hosted concerts in the past have, are, are those on your purview kind of thing or yeah we we are in the midst of working on an event uh at city park uh which will be in may um so that's in the works right now but it's one of those things rick where you know bigger isn't always better and spreading yourself too thin sometimes can can reduce the quality of what you're putting out there too. Um, so the opportunity at Big White, I think, was was a no-brainer. It's it's such a cool place, and you know you feel like you're on vacation, even though you drive 45 minutes up the hill, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, along with that comes this different energy and this vibe, and um, people are just having fun. So that was it's cool to bring a an event up there. Uh, it has its logistical issues, as you noted. It's yes. fifty-five thousand feet up, <laughs> the highest event in Canada. Yes, uh, we don't market it that way for obvious reasons, but uh, yeah, uh, city parks definitely. I mean, it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous spot on the water. Uh, this past summer, we did one at the Island Stage uh, called Island Time, and that was that was really fun. That was really cool. We got it was almost too hot, right? It's it's one of those things where the weather can never be perfect. You deal with different challenges, but seeing people, you know, catching up with friends, being at one of the most beautiful spaces in Canada slash the world, mm-hmm. uh, really is bringing more people to that area was, was really fun. Uh, working with the RCMP, mm-hmm. uh, just talk a bit about that and, and just the level of communication, because obviously that's key component is keeping people safe. So yeah. what has your experience been? Uh, it's been excellent. Uh, so we hire a, a security team. Um, so they handle the bulk of the security, but RCMP are also a big part of our events and they've been excellent to work with. And I think, I think it's because of their mindset. Um, they're not coming in looking for confrontation because, you know, butting heads usually doesn't work. They're, 
they're very they're chatting with people throughout the day you know they're given high fives they're they're also having a really good time mm-hmm. and i think seeing um, everyone come together and the mix of ages and different music genres and everything uh, we haven't really had any issues uh, with any of that so uh, yeah they're really happy to have them out people are a lot safer and feel safer when they see them around so we're we're really happy to have them there was um there was talk of this uh, world cup where they were trying to look at different ways of dealing with crowds mm-hmm. because uh the hooligans were showing up the english hooligans yeah. and there's like there are, i think it's about a thousand or two thousand people that sole mindset is destruction like yeah. we're going to go to an event they're going to know we were there mm-hmm. and you know as soon as the riot police show up we fight them yeah. like that's what their whole thing is mm-hmm. And this, uh, this one fellow came in, and I can't remember which World Cup it was. He said, listen, this research shows that if we have really uh, advocates instead of police, mm-hmm. and these are people that wear a different color, they don't wear the riot gear or anything else, but they're just basically there to make sure everyone's staying safe, but they're also talking to them constantly. Yep. And, they're, and if anything ever blew up, and there was one incident versus like, 2,700 incidents the uh, the four years before, but it was because they were talking to them and really trying to advocate, hey, why don't we look at it this way? And there was so much more conversations yeah. throughout the event that it never really rose to a fever pitch. And mm-hmm. I think that's, I mean, obviously the RCMP has that same research, so they're thinking, okay, as long as we just have that presence, but we also continue to just talk to people. And I think that's one of the best ways to provide security. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Well, so what do you do when your fan club gets together and that crowd happens? You know what? It's, uh, I mean, it's it's over the top. I mean, that's the thing. Because you, you try and fit two or three people in a very small space. I mean, it's just, it's a lot, you know? It's a lot. Um, is, and has this been everything you thought it would be uh, in regards to putting these events together? Like what, what kind of feedback, what's been some of the great feedback you get from people after an event? Wow. Well, I mean, you talk about these little gifts that happen for you and not to you, right? Because, you know, when it's COVID and your events get canceled, well, this is all happening to me. Right. Right. It's not until you get a little more perspective and you say, well, this happened for me and I need to figure out why. And COVID was the biggest gift in actually reframing what we were doing. We thought we were concerts. We thought we were music. Mm-hmm. We, we are a community and we are a connection, right? And seeing people come out that, wow, had been in a, a dark place uh, right. mentally. Obviously, mental health is, is at the top of the agenda um, for why you know, people need to get out and see people and reconnect with their community. But the conversations coming out of the, the first denim after the pandemic mm-hmm. was it, it completely reframed our mindset of what we were providing and how actually important it was. Right. It wasn't just, hey, I'm going to come see this band and it's a weekend in Kelowna. It's like, no, this is this is some people's only opportunity to see people and, and reconnect with others. And the relationships, not only with you know, us and our staff now, because, you know, when you do festivals with people, it's like a team, right? There's mm-hmm. some intense moments. There's a lot of hard work. You're, you're drained by the end of it, but you have a lot of fun along the way. 
Um, but just seeing how, how people come together and how, you know, how jovial it can all be uh, is, is pretty special. I have uh, two last questions for you. One is um, music heals. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about that because I, I really do believe you believe in community and you believe in giving back. So yeah. I, I think that's, and it's good karma. Mm-hmm. I, I really do believe that's part of the karma piece. So just talk a bit about that that function of, of these events. Yeah, so Music Heals, um, so they're just a quick background. They're an organization out of Vancouver um, and their mandate is to provide music therapy to those in need. So it can be at, you know, a retirement living home or it can be at a substance abuse uh, facility or for people with disabilities. And, you know, kind of, again, reframing mindset is, is music. It's like, well, what is music, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not until you really drill down on it where you think about music as it's literally been part of some of the most important parts of your life. You know, whether it be your wedding, uh, your funeral, right? Mm-hmm. You're always you're always listening to that person's favorite songs at the end. Um, when you're getting together with friends, when you're going on a run, when you're feeling your low points and you're listening to music, like it's there. It's it's a fabric of our society and really the importance of it and how it's developed over the years from, you know, when we were, when cave people, um, it's, it's to celebrate. It's so that people don't feel alone. It's so that you can feel connected to somebody else who maybe hits on a lyric. Um, it also has this very powerful nostalgic feeling where it takes you back. So you can Mm -hmm. imagine having Alzheimer's and being in a home and having your good days and your bad days. But man, you hear that Bob Seger song come on and it takes you back. You're working on your car, you're with your son, you're mm. like, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. So, it, you know, it really, some people are traditional medicine and then there's this wider scope of there are other things that we can be doing that really can help people, you know, heal through trauma, release different emotions that we didn't know were stored up. Um, so that, you know, through that program and our events, we've actually got music therapists now at the McNair Mental Health Unit uh, at KGH. So somebody there playing music with some of these young men that are at a vulnerable point in their life. So that's really cool. That's like, yeah, that's incredible. And and that makes, there's that word of purpose. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's a great, because there's going to be dark days when you're organizing an event. But I mean, as that is one of the pieces of it, I think yeah. that's what really drives that purpose and passion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we wanted to find something. I mean, there's so many great organizations mm-hmm. and charities, um, something that tied back to music because it is our purpose and, and what we do. It's interesting. Carol Baker, uh, my mom used to put on a, a record when she was cleaning the house. And and whenever I hear a Carol Baker song, which I don't, yeah. uh, whenever I do, the floodgates open, so it's, oh, it's yeah. great. You almost smell the the cookies and everything yeah. else. Like it's it's just a great moment. Yeah. Um, and lastly, uh, you're in a good place. You just had a, a child. <laughs> Congrats! And <laughs> thank you. And it, you know, every now and then I, I I see a picture on social media, and just you just seem in a really great place. Yeah, we uh, we have a busy household. So we have a newborn now who's three months and she's happy and healthy. And we have three other children who 15, 13 and 10. So we have, we have always have a lot on the go. We got to stay pretty organized. It's always, you know, chaos to some degree and mayhem, but yeah, 
you have to uh, have some fun with it along the way. So we're, uh, we're busy. You know, whenever I see a picture of you and your wife, I always think, man, that guy punched above his weight class. Oh, buddy. tell me about it. <laughs> tell me about it. We, we don't know how that happens still. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, listen, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks again for coming on the show. And uh, best of luck in these events and hopefully uh, more to come. Appreciate it. Thanks, Rick. And appreciate everyone who's come out and support our events. We hope you continue to do so. And as long as you keep coming, we'll uh, keep giving you fun things to do in the most beautiful city in the world. Awesome.